I have a text line where I send out a free daily motivation text to everyone in my community every morning. If you want to get that text, text me at this number right now, 305-384-6894, 305-384-6894, straight to your phone, free, everyday, daily motivation. Send me a text right now. You can't rationalize an experience, not as much as you can rationalize information. Great all exceptional. Work on your game. I like the approach. Work on your fucking game. Everybody has relates to what Dre's saying in a different way. Work on your game. I like the way he thinks. Work on your fucking game. I like the frameworks that he's put together. Work on your game. And I would highly recommend it to anybody that's trying to work on their game. Work on your fucking game. I think it's a good approach. It's a different approach, too. Hey, you, work on your game. Gave me something really good. Work on your game. DreAllDay.com. And his philosophy makes a lot of sense. Not only work on your game, perfect your craft. Work on your game. He knows how to communicate in such a fabulous way. I can't say it enough. Work on your game. Many people have asked me, Dre, do you do any form of coaching? The answer is yes. I have two coaching programs open, as a matter of fact. First, my one-on-one coaching program is my third-day mastermind. For those of you who want one-on-one personalized attention, where it's just you and I, we talk specifically about your goals, your challenges, where you want to go, business professional-wise, where you're trying to get to, where you're at, what type of changes need to happen, whether those are tangible changes, intangible changes, starting with the being, then the doing. Of course, we got to get to the measurable havings. That is in my third day mastermind. My other coaching program is my Bulletproof Mastermind. That is my group coaching program where I will help you have clear, duplicatable systems for yourself and for your business and the discipline to execute. And I will help you make sure you have all of that stuff in place in 30 days or less. And then you're going to stick around the program even when you have your systems in place so that you can build your network so that you can connect with other people so that you can trade for services so that you can make those phone calls and send a text message and get problems handled that you otherwise don't need to be handling yourself or would not be able to handle yourself. That is in my group program called the Bulletproof Mastermind. You can get information and join either program by going to workonyourgameuniversity.com right now. Again, that is workonyourgameuniversity.com for my one-on-one coaching or my group coaching program. For one-on-one, you hop on a Zoom call with me so we can talk about who you are, where you're at, and how we can get started. And the group coaching program, you can sign up right there on the website right now. Both programs, all information, all details, and get started by going to workonyourgameuniversity.com. You are now tuned in to the show where you learn the discipline to show up day after day to do the work, the confidence to put yourself out there boldly and offensively, and the mental toughness to continue showing up, doing the work, putting yourself out there, even when the success you've expected to achieve has yet to occur. Where is it? And on top of all this, you get a huge dose of personal initiative. That is the go-getter energy that moves any one of us, including yourself, to go make things happen instead of wait for things to happen. And then we put all this together into a series of frameworks, approaches, insights, strategies, techniques, mentalities, all under one umbrella of a unifying philosophy that is called work on your game. My name is Dre Baldwin, also known as Dre All Day, and welcome to the show. And today's topic, we are going to go over some signs. These are just possibilities. These are some symptoms that could be showing that you are not a critical thinker. This is an important topic. It's actually one of my favorite topics to talk about the subject of critical thinking. And I'll refer you to some other material where I've talked about some similar things in the past in a moment. But first, let me give you something. I'm going to give you a bonus that you didn't even know was coming. Every day, 
I send out a daily motivation text message free of charge straight to your phone, a message that is guaranteed to keep you focused, sharp and on point throughout your days. And I send it out every single day, even on holidays, even when you're on vacation. It doesn't matter. Every day you'll get this message if you would like to receive it free of charge. All you got to do is text me at my number, which is 305-384-6894. Send a text right now. Let me know you want the daily motivation. You will be in. And another bonus, unadvertised bonus of texting me is that that is me who will, be, who will be sending those texts and responding to your text. So if you ever respond to a text or you get asked a question or you want to ask a question, that is me who is asking. That is me who is responding. So you can text directly with me at that number again, 305-384-6894 is listed down below just in case you missed it. So make sure you hit me in the text to get that daily motivation. Now, today's topic is about critical thinking. In episodes 1826 and 1827, I described signs of being a critical thinker and how you can uh, diagnose your critical thinking skills. So how to be a critical thinker was episode 1826 and then habits of critical thinkers was episode 1827. And those two episodes are where I, I break down and help people understand what exactly critical thinking is, what it looks like, what it sounds like, what it means, and why it's such an important tool, especially these days when journalists have completely abandoned there because it used to be that we could go to journalism, we could go to the news, right? We could go to the media. In episode 2016, I talked about this while journalism is dying. We used to be able to go to the media and they could help decipher things for us. If we heard of something that was confusing or something that we understood the headline, but we didn't know the details, we could go to the news or to a journalist or to a trusted source, some trusted source that could tell us they could make sense of it. They can say, okay, this is a complex thing that most people don't understand. Here, we will break it down for you and explain to you objectively and critically what exactly this means. These days, journalism doesn't do that anymore. They have completely abandoned this job. And nowadays, journalists have pretty much taken sides on subjects. They will give you their, instead of breaking down and explaining to you what happened and why it happened, they tell you what happened, why it happened. And they also mix in, in both of those, they mix in their opinion. They mix in how they feel about it and they attempt to persuade you to feel the same way that they feel about it. The challenge with this is, first of all, it's not illegal for someone to share with you their opinion and how they feel. The challenge with it is the original purpose of journalism, as I explained in episode 2016. If you did not listen to that episode, you can hear me explain and break this down why I'm saying journalism is dying because of this is because the original purpose of journalism is for the journalists to be completely objective, as objective as they possibly can be, and to check themselves for bias and to make sure that they are critically examining information, critically examining situations, and then explaining explaining what happened in that situation, but not with any lean towards it. In other words, if they explain why this politician did this thing, how they feel about the politician personally, that journalist, you shouldn't be able to tell based on reading their work. You shouldn't be able to tell What's, whether CNN wants the Democrats to win or the Republicans win. You shouldn't be able to tell whether Fox is on the conservative side or the liberal side. Now, again, it's kind of always all these networks and publications have always had a little bit of a lean, but these days they're leaning like they're leaning crazily to the point they're about to fall over. All of them are doing this. This is why journalism in general is dying. doesn't matter what side of it is, what side of it it is. And I'm only using journalism as an example to explain my point here today or to help frame my point in some way. But this topic is not about journalism. This topic is not about the government and it's not about the media. This is about you and me and all of us as human beings, because we all 
have control over one thing and one thing only. And it absolutely is not the media, it's not the government, it's not other people, it's not journalism. We have one thing that we control, which is how we think, the way that we choose to think about situations. That's why critical thinking is so important. When we're in a world in which we have so many people giving us what they label as objective information when it actually is not, your ability to think critically will help you see through the bullshit. And the challenge these days is that there is more bullshit every single day than there was the day before. So critical thinking has become a more and more valuable skill simply because so few people have ever used it. And nowadays it matters so much that you have it so that you can see through when someone is trying to tell you one thing, but it's actually a different thing. That's why critical thinking matters so much. So today, first of all, if you haven't listened to episodes 1826 and 1827, you should so you understand where I'm coming from. But today what we're going to do is we're going to examine some signs that you could be possibly, hopefully you're not, but if you are, you can check yourself. That's the good news that you'll be able to check yourself and you can fix it, that you might be violating the principles of critical thinking. And we're going to get clear on all of that here today. Point number one topic once again is signs that you are not being a critical thinker because understand as I'll be clear on this as well critical thinking is something that you it's a it's kind of a renewable it's a kind of like a month to month membership that you have somewhere critical thinking is something that you do moment by moment whenever you're thinking you are either thinking critically or you're thinking uncritically meaning being a critical thinker is what you do in this situation, this information that you're taking in, then the next piece of information, you have to think critically again, and the next piece, think critically again. So it's not like you decide you're a critical thinker and then just all your life you stay there, or if you're not, all your life you stay there. You can go back and forth between the two in all situations. So signs that you are not being a critical thinker in the moment is really what I'm saying here. Point number one, when you get new information, yet you keep the same opinions. When you get new conflicting information, yet you keep the same opinions is a better way of saying that. Anytime you get new information that conflicts with your current set of opinions slash beliefs, your opinions and beliefs should change in line with the new information that you have received and the, and the new interpretation you have of the world based on that new information. Logically, this makes perfect sense, does it not? The challenge is many people don't do it, even though they might even consciously be aware that they got new information that is in direct conflict with what they believed yesterday. They still choose to. They come up with a reason to keep believing what they believed before. This is called cognitive dissonance. And sometimes this happens unconsciously. Sometimes it happens consciously. But either way, it's the same result. Same opinions, even though you got new information that, again, is in direct conflict with that opinion. If you have all the same opinions at age 50 that you had at age 20, you are probably not a critical thinker and haven't been for a long time. Now, understand something. All of us as human beings, we all have our opinions. We all have our biases. We all have our ways of seeing the world, and they do not all need to be the same. As a matter of fact, the world would be pretty boring if we all had the same opinions and the same beliefs. So we should have all different opinions. But if you have an opinion and you receive new information that conflicts with that opinion, Yet you still will not change your opinion. You will not change your views or you come up with a rationalization that gives you a, an excuse to keep the same belief, even though you receive some opinion that some information rather that is in direct conflict with that opinion. You are not being a critical thinker in that moment. Now, you can repent of your sin of uncritical thinking and change your mind at any moment. But at that moment, you are not being a critical thinker. So we'll just call this uncritical thinking. 
in episode 734, I told you about keeping all your opinions flexible, pending new information, new experiences, and new perspectives. When you get new information, take that information, hold it up to the light against all of your current or the, your previously held opinions and beliefs, and then ask yourself, okay, what opinion might I need to change now, now that I have some new information? Now that I'm seeing things a little bit differently here, maybe I can change the way that I'm looking at stuff. When you get new experiences, and experience is even better than information because information, you could always just say to yourself, well, maybe the information is biased. Maybe this information is inaccurate. Maybe somebody's lying. Maybe somebody made up this information. Maybe it's not true. Maybe it's fake news. Now we can say that, right? Anytime we get information from anywhere, especially somewhere that a source that we have already decided, we have already, we have already predetermined that we're not going to agree with any information from source X. And then source X gives you some information that conflicts with your opinion. You might just say, well, it came from source X, so I'm not going to believe it. Or on the flip side, if you decide you're going to agree with things and it comes from anything that comes from source Y, you might say, okay, well, it came from source Y, so I'm going to agree with it no matter what it is, even if it doesn't make any sense. And if you look around, especially on the internet these days, I think you see plenty of examples of people doing both of these at a, at a healthy rate. The challenge is, well, not the challenge, but here's a, a better way of looking at things is when you get an experience as opposed to information, because in experience, you can't, you can't rationalize an experience, not as much as you can rationalize information. You can rationalize information and just say, well, it might not be true. I remember I was speaking to a person. I won't say who this person was. But this is a person who I know. This is a man. I will say it was a man. And we were having some conversation about the social topics and all of this stuff. And I quoted a statistic to this person about, I quoted a statistic to this person about violent crimes and about murders and things like that. And this person, and it was in direct conflict with what this person was saying. They were saying one thing and I said, I was saying another thing. We were sharing our opinions, which is fine. But then I quoted a statistic that flew directly in the face of his opinion. And he said, well, where'd you get that information from? And I said, well, that information comes straight from the government. This is an official stat. I went and grabbed the stat, pulled it up on my phone, and I wasn't talking to this person in person. We were talking on the phone. And I sent the information to them directly from this government data website. And this person says to me, this is what the person says. They say, well, I don't believe that simply because, you no, know, the government can make up stats. The government can be making up information. This is what this person said. And this is a person whose intellect, I, I respect it more before they said that than after they said it. Let's put it that way. Now, that is a form of cognitive dissonance. When you get some information that is in direct conflict with what you believe, and then you come up with a story, a rationalization that allows you to dismiss it simply because maybe you're trying to save face. Maybe you're just trying to know, hold your position in whatever you've already said, or maybe because you've gone so deep into your belief on a certain subject or so deep in, in defending a certain point that you'll just say anything to defend it. And it was probably a combination of all of those with this individual person. But this is a form of a person not wanting to make their opinions flexible in any way on a certain subject. And again, it could have been a, a combination of reasons as to why they did it. But this is one example of it. I'll give you another example on the other side. I told this example from back in the, when the 2016 presidential election took place. And I'm using this just as an example, this is again, the topic is not necessarily about government or politics or anything like that. When the 2016 election took place before the election, I remember seeing so much information, so much news, news and information, two things that we have been conditioned to not trust as much as we used to, that was just telling me how terrible it would be if Donald Trump was to win the election, how bad it would be for minorities of all kinds, whether that's gender minorities, 
ethnic minorities. Yeah, basically those two. And racial minorities. Any kind of minority, it was going to be terrible. Everything was just going to be great for white men, but everything's going to be terrible for women, LGBTQ, people of color, and everybody else. It would just be terrible. It would basically, it was basically going to become another version of the the Holocaust, but in America. And this was, there were people who were really saying this and they were saying it. Yes, they were being hyperbolic, but they were not joking. And that was, that was a lot of the, the news and information that was coming out leading up to the 2016 election. They got more and more alarmist the closer we got to the election. I think because people were noticing in hindsight, it got more and more alarmist simply because now that I can look back and see, it looked like, all right, this guy might actually have a chance because I didn't think he had a chance. When he first came out, I, I looked at it the way many people that I was paying attention to were looking at it. Like, this is just a joke. He's going to come out, get some attention. He'll write a book. He's going to lose. He'll write a book about it. And he'll go back to doing whatever he was doing that I wasn't paying much attention to. Then he ended up winning. And when he won, the first thing that I'm thinking is, oh, my God, this is going to be terrible. Or it's going to be another Holocaust. They're going to we're going to go revert back to slavery. Uh, women are going to have no rights. LGBTQ rights are going to get pushed back. Uh, any rights that people of color have uh, fought for are going to be pushed back. And it's going to go back to the Jim Crow days here in America for black people. And I was I wasn't thinking it was exactly going to happen like that, but I thought it might gradually happen. I mean, this guy had four years to be in power. I'm like, man, this is about to get terrible for black folks. And then I remember the day after the election. I still remember this day. I went to the gym and I was working out and I seen some some white guys in there working out and they weren't paying any attention to me. They were talking to each other, just working out. And I did my workout. And it was it was really early in the morning. I go to the gym first thing in the morning and I started to think to myself, like, maybe I am emotionally overreacting to what happened in, in this election. Maybe I'm, my mind is on hyperdrive thinking about these things that I've heard these publications say, because this is not anything that I was saying. This is things that I was hearing publications say, people whose opinion and perspective I was trusting because they were more plugged in and paying more attention to everything happening than I was. And I started to think to myself, hey, maybe these people are just going a little bit, maybe these people are doing a little bit too much on this subject. And then I remember in the days after that election, people were protesting, people were protesting, this person is not my president. There was a women's rally. And this was happening here in Miami. Like I could look out the window, I could see people out here marching. And they were protesting. And I'm like, what are these people protesting? There was an election. He won. Like, what are you protesting? What, what do you want to change about the situation? And I saw people who I know, people who I personally know out protesting the election. And then when again, there was no question as to what actually happened. It was just, OK, all right, this is what happened. This is the outcome. This is who won. This is who lost. And I remember start, I started to think to myself, because some of these people, I'm like, all right, these people are doing a little bit too much. But they were verbally expressing some of the things that had been planted in my mind. I wasn't out protesting, but I had been thinking along the lines of some of the things that they were doing. I wasn't thinking about protesting, but just thinking like, all right, this is going to be terrible for us. We need to uh, counterbalance. We need to resist. Remember when I remember when Trump won, this is the word coming from a lot of people. We need to resist anything he does. Just resist it. Just push against it. Don't go with anything he does. Just go against everything. And I started because they were going so hard, even after Trump won, I started to think to myself, maybe. I might be getting the wrong information because I've always considered myself to be a critical thinker. Even before I was talking about verbally about critical thinking, I started thinking to myself, maybe I'm getting too much information from only one side of the conversation. Let me see. Let me just see what these other people are saying. Let me take a peek behind that curtain and see what people on the other side are saying. Because I knew of, I heard of many names of people who were on the pro-Trump side. They wanted Trump to win. They were happy when he won. 
So I said, let me follow a couple of these people on social media for a week or two. Let me see what they're talking about. Let me read a couple of their articles, see what they're saying. Let me watch a couple of the videos of people who wanted him to win. And let me see what their perspective is and what, it, what they're talking about. And when I started listening to them and reading them and watching them, I started to say to myself, OK, all right, maybe it's not going to be as crazy as we thought it was going to be. Maybe they're not going to roll back everything. Maybe it's not going to be another a Holocaust here in America. Maybe it's not that crazy. Maybe I've just been listening to the wrong information. Maybe I've been listening to too much information from only one side of a conversation and not hearing the other side of the conversation. And that started to that really started to wake me up. And it made me realize that maybe I was the problem, that I was just taking in the wrong information or too much information from one side. Wasn't, wasn't anything wrong with what other people were saying. Well, it was because journalism was starting to die by that point already. But I was just taking in too much of it and I didn't realize what was happening. I didn't realize that journalism was dying just yet. But now I realize it in full. And it, I think it's poetic justice that the episode on why journalism is dying is episode 2016. Do you think that is, do you think that is a, a, a coincidence? And I did not plan that. It just happened to work out that way. And the whole point is I needed to realize that maybe my opinions had become too inflexible simply because I wasn't taking in enough variety of input that we want to call it information. Enough variety of input from different people from all sides is not necessarily information these days. Now it's just people content. We'll just call it content. And whatever point that these people are trying to make with it is really to influence and persuade has nothing to do with necessarily informing. But anyway. We're still on point number one. Let's move on to point number two. Today's topic, once again, is signs that you are not a critical thinker. Point number two, deflection. This is something that often happens in when I'm in conversations with or you see or hear conversations of people where they have a certain perspective or point of view and that perspective is challenged and it's challenged in a substantial way. And when this person cannot respond to the challenge, they deflect and attempt to kind of evade the topic that they just were talking about. I'll give you a definition of deflection. It means the definition is to cause someone to deviate from an intended purpose. That's what deflection is. An example of deflection, a common deflection tool, there are a few of them. One of them is sarcasm. I know some people who are really good at whenever they get caught in a, they're in a conversation and things are not kind of going the way they want that conversation to go. They use sarcasm to deflect. In other words, to kind of redirect the attention of the conversation from this current point in which they don't have a leg to stand on, they use some sarcasm to try to evade and escape out of the point. It's kind of like if two boxers are fighting and one boxer gets backed into the corner, they kind of gallop out of the corner to create some space so they can get a second to breathe and they can take the pressure off themselves from the other boxer who is starting to pummel them back in the corner. That's what sarcasm does. It's a deflection tool. Another one is the absurd absolute. Absurd absolute is a is a symptom of cognitive dissonance. Doesn't necessarily mean they're experiencing it, but it's a symptom of cognitive dissonance. When a person takes something that you said, they stretch it out to the furthest extent, furthest possible extent of what it means, and then they argue against that, or they accuse you of that absurd absolute. For example, if I say something like, no, I used to eat meat all the time, but nowadays I'm a plant-based eater. And that's actually true. And somebody, somebody says to me, Dre, oh, that's cool. You're a plant-based eater. But personally, Dre, I like, I like eating steak and I like eating hamburgers and I like eating fried chicken all the time. I'll eat it every day if I could. And I was to say something like, oh, well, that's great, Mike. And so you just want to increase greenhouse gases. You want to destroy the planet and you don't care about the future of the earth in the next 100 to 200 years. All right, excellent. Great, great that you feel that way about yourself. It's all just because you want to eat steak. Now, 
that is so that's actually a combination of sarcasm and the absurd absolute. So I'm taking the fact that this person likes to eat meat that they express and I'm extrapolating it to the furthest extent of what they could possibly mean and saying and then I'm arguing against it and then I'm putting it on them and telling them, all right, you don't care about the planet. You don't care about the greenhouse gas effect. You don't care about destroying the earth. You don't care if anyone can live here in 100 years simply because you keep eating meat every single day. That's an absurd absolute. Anytime someone expresses an opinion, you take it and then make it sound ridiculous and then put it on them and make them or ask them or accuse them of it or put them in a position where try to put them in a position where they would need to defend it. That's called the absurd absolute. This is a common deflection tool that people use all the time. Social media is a good place to get plenty of examples of the absurd absolute. Another example of an absurd absolute that is more especially what's the word contemporary right now is if a person says something like, I don't mind if anyone wants to go get the vaccine, the COVID vaccine jab, but I don't think it should be mandated. I don't think they should make everybody go do it. And there are many people who have this perspective, even people who have gotten the vaccine jab. And then someone responds and says, oh, well, that means you just want everybody to die. You don't care about saving people's lives. You don't care about public health. You only care about yourself. That is an absurd absolute. The person did not say that. All they said was they just don't think it should be mandated, even if they already have the jab themselves. An absurd absolute. Again, you take whatever somebody said, you extend it out to the furthest extent of what it could mean, and then you argue against that. It's also known as a straw man argument, which I talked about in a previous episode of the show. Changing the subject is another common deflection tool. These are all examples of deflection, and deflection is a example of uncritical thinking. Or another one is, I know, I know someone who does this a lot, is repeating the main point but avoiding the details. So someone says something. Someone says something along the lines. I remember I was talking to a guy. I will say it was a man. I will say he was black. That's all I say about this person. And he was, we were having a conversation about race. And he was talking about, well, there's all these racist things that have happened in America towards black people. So we start talking about it. And I try to isolate his points and try to figure out what he's saying. And I say, okay, well, what about this point right here? What exactly are you saying on this subject? And that will require him to actually go into detail and explain exactly what he means logically, which he wasn't incapable of doing. And when he got to that point, this is what he did. He kind of, he physically backed up. We were sitting at a table. He physically kind of sat back to distance himself a little bit. That's an, an unconscious, an unconscious movement to distance himself from the situation. And then he just kept saying, well, you know, this, this, this is racism. This stuff has just been happening over and over again. He just kept repeating that same point, but he was avoiding going into detail. This is an example of deflection. Another one is ignoring questions by continuing to state talking points, which is actually the same thing that I just described. When you ask someone a direct, specific question about what they're saying, ask them, all right, what specifically is the issue here? What specifically are you saying? What specifically is the, the change that you want to happen? What specifically is the point that you want to make right here? And they don't answer the question, but they continue to state their talking points over and over again. This is something that I talked about when I did the four part series on deconstructing the book on anti-racism by Ibram X. Kendi. That was episodes number 1788 through 1791 that this gentleman wrote this book. It's a very popular book. A lot of people are swearing by his doctrine, by his his um, religious thesis on anti-racism. And I said, well, why hasn't this guy gone on any shows or any made any appearances or been anywhere where in any forum where his ideas are going to be challenged, where someone can say, well, what about this? What about this? What about this? And he can defend what he's put out there, but he doesn't do it 
simply because if he were to do it, I think I think my theory is his ideas would get taken apart. But he doesn't do it because if his he was to go out there and get his ideas taken apart, then that might destroy his whole the whole platform that he's created. He just stays in the spaces where he can keep repeating his talking points. He's not going to be challenged and he can keep making his money. I again, as I said many times through that four part series there, for those of you who didn't listen, that's episode 1788 through 1791 is an excellent business model. But as far as critical thinking, it is not a good a good model for critical thinking. Deflection is the and I've had many conversations with people who have who have a good skill of deflecting over the last few years specifically. Deflection is the go to tool of a speaker who wants to speak their opinion or beliefs while at the same time holding on to those beliefs at all costs. They are not open to changing their opinions or beliefs. They haven't listened to episode 734, apparently. This is why keeping your opinions flexible is so important, because when you know that your opinions are flexible, then you are just dating those opinions. You just go on dates with them. You're not married to your opinion, meaning if you get some new information, you get a new perspective, you get a new way of looking at things, a new experience, then you're willing to drop the old opinion to pick up a new opinion because you're not married to the opinion. The opinion is not you. You are not your opinions. You are who you are as a person. Your opinions are just things that you have for the moment. But when you get new information, you can think a different way. There's nothing wrong with that. The challenge with uncritical thinkers is that they allow their opinions to calcify into beliefs. And when someone has a belief, they will defend it at all costs, even at the risk of looking and sounding and even feeling ridiculous. And this is what happens with uncritical thinkers. When you know that your opinions are flexible, you don't buy into your opinions on an emotional level. You may intellectually believe your opinion. But again, if you're an intellectual critical thinker, then when someone offers you some intellect that goes in conflict with what you thought you knew, and this is better information, then you'll drop that old opinion and you'll pick up a new opinion because it's just intellectual. It's just surface level. Your opinions are just on the surface. You don't allow your opinions to go into your spirit, into your soul. You can change your opinion because you're not married to the opinion. You won't buy into them on an emotional level, as I just said, and you don't become entrenched with your opinion to the point that you would lose face in announcing that you've changed your mind. This is what a critical thinker is capable of doing. All right, this is the opinion that I have. If someone has some different information or a different perspective or a different way of looking at it, or you have experienced something that could help me logically understand that maybe my opinion could be different, I'm open to hearing it and I'm willing to change my opinion if someone can offer it to me. Many people aren't capable of even responding to a statement like that, let alone are they capable of actually making a statement like that. So many people display uncritical thinking traits not because they cannot understand a different point of view. They completely understand it is that they're so heavily invested in a certain opinion that they can't turn back, or at least they feel like they can't turn back, which leads to the third point. Today's topic, once again, is signs that you are not a critical thinker or signs that you are a uncritical thinker or an uncritical thinker. Point number three, being so emotionally bought into a certain point of view that you no longer see the situation logically. You are looking at the situation only through the lens of your emotion and not through the lens of logic. Here's an important point about critical thinking is that critical thinking is logical. It is not emotional. See, when you become emotional about a subject, remember that emotion overpowers logic. When you become emotional about a subject, then no amount of logic is going to change your mind. And on certain topics, on certain that in certain aspects of life, it's good to be emotional about something because you don't want to always have to go off of logic to make your decision. If you have an emotional tie-in to a certain aspect of life, then it doesn't matter what logically anyone presents to you because emotionally you've already made your decision. Those are what we call beliefs. 
And opinions are things that are more on the logical side, meaning you will drop them and pick up new ones based on new information whenever you get it. The challenge for many of us is that we have allowed our opinions and things that should be and stay opinions to harden into beliefs, even though the belief is based on faulty information that you got in the first place, maybe from somebody who you know, like, and trust, someone who had authority over you, someone who you respected, someone who you were told that you should listen to everything that they say, and that person just wasn't as informed as you thought they were, but you you don't want to accept that, so you've allowed your opinions to become beliefs, and even though they logically do not make sense, you will emotionally defend them, even again, at the risk of looking and sounding ridiculous. And how many of you have seen somebody do this? And maybe some of you who are listening, maybe you've done this. Uh, let's be honest. Everybody can't be immune to it. See, this point shows that critical thinking is fluid. You can be a critical thinker on one topic and a very uncritical thinker on another topic. And we are all guilty of this in different areas of life. We all have our non-critical thinking areas that some people call these blind spots. And this is what makes us human. Uh, the key with these blind spots is accepting that you have them and being willing to examine them, being willing to look at yourself. If someone points out to you like, hey, are you realizing what you just said there? Are you realizing what you're doing here? Are you realizing that you're not thinking critically on this subject? The more open you are to admitting to yourself, hey, this is kind of a blind spot. I am kind of thinking more emotionally than logically on this particular subject. The more willing you are to admit that, the more willing you are to examine and say, you know what, maybe there are some areas in which I'm thinking very uncritically. And if I can look at them, then maybe I'll be willing to change the better. But many people, again, this, this is why I'm doing this episode, signs that you are not a critical thinker. Many people aren't willing to even have this conversation with themselves, let alone they willing to let anybody else have it with them. But you just want to make sure it doesn't happen to you. Point number four, today's topic, once again, signs that you are not a critical thinker. Number four, you avoid any conclusion, idea, or point of view based on whom it may subsequently offend or who you might be agreeing with. This is a big one here. And this is, again, this is another one that if you use social media a lot, like I do, you notice this all the time. And you don't have to be on social media and notice it. You just need to have conversations with people or listen to conversations with people and you'll notice this. Avoiding any conclusion, idea, or point of view that may offend people who you don't want to offend, or you might be agreeing with someone who have, you have already decided, you already have a belief that you can't possibly agree with them. Anything that person X or Y says, you will not agree with anything that they say, even if what they said is completely logical and makes perfect sense to you, you won't agree with it simply because you've already decided you won't agree with anything that they say. And or if there's someone on the side that you've decided or you've been told that you should always agree with anything that they say or do, even if it makes no sense, you're going to co-sign it simply because you have decided you're going to agree and co-sign with anything that this person says. How many of you have had this happen? There was there's a rapper by the name of Nicki Minaj. There was a point when there was an event happening in New York. I think it was the Met Gala, which is a charity event, big charity event. She didn't go to the event and she posted on social media that she didn't go because they were requiring that you have the vaccine at that point. She did not have it. And she said, well, I know somebody who had a negative reaction to the vaccine, so I'm not going to go because I don't have a vaccine. I'm still holding off on getting the vaccine, even though she did subsequently say in that same stream of talking that she probably would eventually get it because she would need it to do tours and do shows and stuff like that. But people went and attacked her for saying that she wasn't going to get the vaccine because the reason that she gave, the reason that she gave was an example. 
Now, I will say in defense of the people who went at her, not in the way that they went at her, but in defense of people going at her, that examples do not prove arguments. Nikki saying, I don't want to get the vaccine because I know somebody who got a negative reaction. That's not necessarily a good logical reason to not get it. I know people who have no, I mean, we can give plenty of examples that that are parallels to that, that could negate what she just said or what she had said. But one thing that she ended up saying later on, I think it was days later, she said that she said, and she was drawing this dichotomy between Republicans and Democrats. She said, if a Republican says something is good for you, you will go against it just because they're Republican. But if a Democrat tells you, well, I can't even remember exactly how she said it. Let me back up and say, I've, now I think I'm remembering a little bit better. She said, if a Republican tells you, watch out for that bus, you'll stand in the middle of the street and get hit by the bus just so you can say you didn't listen to what a Republican said. And it was a really good point that she was making because she was talking specifically to, I guess, the people who follow her and her audience who are mostly people of color and many of them black people who are have been indoctrinated to just believe anything that the the left side of things says politically and go against anything the right side says, because a lot of black people have been indoctrinated to think that anything right side or conservative or you know, anything that says anything positive or even neutral about Trump or Republican must be racist and white. And that's just the way that a lot of people think. Again, uncritical thinkers. And Nicki Minaj was pointing out, and there was, it was a really poignant example because she was absolutely right in what she said, that if someone from that side that you've already been indoctrinated to disagree with anything that they do or anything that they say, even if they tell you something that will help you out, you would rather get hurt just so you can say you didn't listen to them. That is an example of non-critical thinking. That's the point that I'm making here in point number four. As I said earlier, journalists used to be immune to this. We used to be able to go to journalists. And even if everybody else in the world was sounding ridiculous and looking ridiculous, a journalist could make sense of things in such a way that they were as objective as objective could get. Now, the journalists are some of the biggest perpetrators of this issue. For example, on the same topic, if you don't get the jab, you must be conservative thinking, a MAGA supporter or a Republican. Many people are so afraid of those tags even in their own minds, regardless of what anybody else thinks, they're so afraid of those tags in their own minds that they refuse to entertain such an idea. There are a bunch of people who are listening to this right now, many of you, who went and got the jab, not because you necessarily needed it, not because you think the virus would destroy you, not because you don't think you could survive it without it, not because you needed it for your job or for anything else, you got it simply because you didn't want to look in the mirror and feel like you were being conservative, a MAGA supporter, a Trump supporter, or Republican. So you went and got it, not because you actually needed it. Tell me I'm wrong. Now, some of you got it because you needed it. Some of you got it because you wanted it. Some of you got it because you feel like you're at risk and you're in a group of people that maybe if you got the virus, it would hurt you and you think the jab would help you better fight the virus. Absolutely fine. There are many people in that group, but I think this is just a theory of mine. Many people went and got it simply because they don't want to look at themselves and feel like they're agreeing with a certain group that they've already been taught their entire lives to never agree with. Any of you understand what I'm saying here? Dave Chappelle, comedian. Everybody knows Dave Chappelle, right? There are critics who have who didn't like his last couple of comedy specials where he's made a healthy amount of jokes about the gay and trans community. And there are critics of Chappelle's jokes about the gay and trans community who instead of coming out and actually criticizing Dave Chappelle, who's the person who actually said the jokes, which would make sense. You don't like his jokes, criticize the person who made the jokes, right? Nothing wrong with that if they want to do it, but they didn't do that. They come out and instead of criticizing Dave Chappelle, this is what they do. 
they try to draw a line to what Dave Chappelle said back towards white men over jokes that were shared by a black guy. For those of you who don't know, Dave Chappelle is black. So there are people I've seen, I've seen this on social media. They come out and they you know, make their statement about why they didn't like Dave Chappelle's jokes and how it uh, endangers and harms the gay, lesbian, trans community. Okay, fine. If you don't like his jokes and you think his jokes are in bad taste or off color, that's fine if that's how you feel. All right, it is art and not everybody has to agree with art. Not everybody likes the same art. Comedy is art. Not everyone agrees. That's absolutely fine. So go ahead and criticize the art, criticize the artist even if you want to. But how these people, and these are white people doing this. This is what makes it crazy. The other day I saw a white guy who's a comedian allegedly. He was criticizing Dave Chappelle's work, but he didn't criticize Dave Chappelle or his work. What he did was drew, he drew this line. He twisted himself around to make his critique, not of Dave or his jokes, but of white men and how Dave's jokes are actually sourced from white men and straight white men, allegedly. And that's apparently rather. And that's why he was able to make these trans and these trans jokes and these gay jokes. And I was I was reading what he was saying. I'm like, wait, how is he drawing this back to white men when a black man is the one who made jokes? And the reason why is this. This is a, this is a sign of uncritical thinking. Here's the reason why. These white people who don't want to they don't want to criticize Dave Chappelle because Dave Chappelle's a black guy and they're afraid of publicly criticizing any, quote unquote, underrepresented group. So they find a way to draw everything back to the people that is safe to criticize, which is white men. That's the group that is pretty much safe to criticize these days publicly and get away with it. Non-critical thinkers will cut off their noses to spite their faces just so they could be on a certain side of a conversation, even if they don't agree with it and or they look silly in doing so. This is a white man criticizing white men in order to, to attack Dave Chappelle, who's a black man. Instead of attacking the, directly what happened or the person who did it, he finds a way to criticize his own self, <laughs> white men, just because he didn't want to be on the wrong side of a certain conversation. Not because a white man had anything to do with Dave Chappelle's material. I don't think any white people are involved in Dave Chappelle's jokes. I think Dave writes those jokes himself. All right, he is. Go look up the picture of Dave Chappelle. He's pretty black. But this guy didn't want to diss a black guy on social media because that he wouldn't get away with that. So to stay on the right side of history, whatever the hell that means, nothing really, but let's just call it that. He found a way to diss white men over Dave Chappelle's jokes. This is a sign of a lack of critical thinking. I'm just using that as an example. But this is a, the logical point of not being a critical thinker is, again, you either agree with or you disagree with a certain perspective or find a way to agree or disagree with a certain perspective just based on who's involved, not based on maybe what you actually believe or even the facts of the situation. You just find a way to get on one side of a conversation. This is a lack of critical thinking. It's also a lack of courage, but that's a different conversation for a different day. Let's recap today's class, which is signs that you are not a critical thinker. See episodes 1826 and 1827 on critical thinking today. We are examining why and how some people violate these principles. Number one, you get new information, but you maintain the same opinions. If you had the same opinions right now as you had 20 years ago, you are not a critical thinker. Maybe you're not thinking at all. Now, everybody has opinions. We should. But make sure you are not holding on to opinions over the years just because you believe that your opinions should stay exactly the same. Opinions should always be flexible and always open to change. Point number two, deflection. This means to deviate, cause something to deviate from the intended purpose. Deflection tools, sarcasm, absurd absolutes, changing the subject, repeating the point, but avoiding details. 
ignoring questions, but repeating your talking points. Deflection is the go-to tool of a speaker who wants to share their opinions and beliefs while holding on to those beliefs at all costs. The problem for many people, nothing wrong with having a belief. The problem for many people is that their, opinion, their opinions have calcified into beliefs when they should have stayed as opinions. You shouldn't have too many beliefs in your life, but opinions, you can have as many of those as you want, but they are interchangeable. They are disposable. Your opinions should not be uh, beliefs. There's a difference between the two. And if you don't understand the difference, you're probably not a critical thinker, which leads to point number three. People being so emotionally bought into a certain perspective that you no longer see the situation logically. You look at everything emotionally. And this is when you will defend anything at any cost, even if it doesn't make any sense. Understand all human beings have blind spots. This makes us human. The key is accepting that you have them and being willing to examine them. Point number four, you avoid any conclusion, idea or point of view that may offend a group that you have decided not to offend or so that you can avoid agreeing with the group you have decided that you will never agree with. Journalism used to be able to help us with this, but they're dead, so they can't help us anymore. Now they're one of the biggest perpetrators. Dave Chappelle, he came out with these jokes about the LGBTQ community. A bunch of white people didn't like those jokes, but instead of attacking Dave Chappelle or going at Dave, the person who said it, they found a way to draw a line from Dave's jokes to white men and then diss white men based on a black man's jokes. It makes no sense whatsoever. They sound ridiculous. They look ridiculous. The problem is because they're not critical thinkers and they are emotionally bought into being on a certain side of a conversation, which is the, the logical point that I'm making here. This example sh just shows you, it illustrates it in a way that anyone can understand. And the problem with all of this lack of critical thinking is it becomes wider and wider spread. The more that it's accepted, the more that we see people who have influence doing it. So this is why any of us who is a critical thinker, we need to be active and engaged in noticing just mentally noticing when someone's not being a critical thinker, noticing how and why they're not being a critical thinker. And if you have the space or the desire expressing how somebody is not being a critical thinker so that other people who also understand these principles, they realize that they're not the only one out there. And we don't let everything in the world go to shit through all these non-critical thinkers with their non-critical ideas being thrown out there in the world. There's a lot of it going on. So it's kind of like a crusade that we have going on. I say that in a tongue in cheek type of way, but I'm not joking. Two things. Get my daily motivation text message every single day straight to your phone. My number is 305-384-6894. And the other thing, if you want to be in a group of critical thinkers, people who think for themselves, people who think independently, and people who can help you take your knowledge, your skills, your game to where it needs to go through connections, through relationships, and through working on your game, join my Bulletproof Mastermind. You can get in by going to workonyourgameuniversity.com. The link is down below. Work on your game. Dre all day. I want you to send a text to this number, 305-384-6894. That is my direct text number. When you text me there, you'll be part of my texting community. And that means you're going to be receiving my daily motivation text, which I send out every single day to keep you sharp focused and mentally on point for the day in front of you. Send me a text at this number 305-384-6894. One more time. 305-384-6894. Get daily motivation.